Well, it's a real privilege to uh, be back in the Bahamas. As some of you who might have been in uh, Sunday school found out that uh, we live in Buffalo, New York. I became the president in, uh, in 2003. And uh, actually in Buffalo, we've had very mild winters. But this year they caught up for all those past wild, mild winters. We, in the middle of February, we had over 100 inches of snow already, and it's still snowing up there. And uh, when they told me that the, when they were inviting me to the Bahamas to uh, be here, I uh, readily accepted. And I'm really thankful that I have the privilege of being here with you. I really enjoyed myself when I was here in, in the past, and uh, I've seen a lot of friendly faces here. And I'm just really thankful for this church and the mission's heart that they have and the mission's vision they have. Uh, in America, the larger the church gets, it seems like the less mission uh, emphasis they have. Uh, they have new philosophies of doing missions where they decide to do projects instead of actually support a missionary to go overseas and do a, do a work and to help uh, people. And uh, I'm really thankful for the commitment, and uh, I'm so thankful for the way that you continue to have a vision into the future. And it's a real, I'm really privileged to be here, and I'm so thankful uh, for this wonderful opportunity that uh, you've given. Uh, the conference um, theme is Touching Lives and Changing People, and it's really found in Second uh, Corinthians chapter 5, and it's verse 20. And I'd like to, lead, to read that. Uh, that's not the passage I want to uh, talk about today. In fact, um, I really want to break the, uh, the theme down. This morning I want to talk about touching lives. Tonight I'd like to talk about changing people. And then on Monday night, I want to talk about the impact of one person. One, the impact one godly person can make. And I have several, several illustrations of that. And I think it's really important to realize that God can use you. I was born in Wyoming during World War II. I grew up in Pennsylvania in a town called Hungerford, which no longer exists. And um, if God can do something in my life, he can do something in your life. And then on the, um, the Tuesday night, the world, the fields are away on the harvest. We want to look at what the Lord is doing around the world and how the, he's bringing in what I believe is the last harvest. I believe God is doing phenomenal things. And they might be happening in North America, but it sure is happening in other parts of the world. We want to look at that. And then for the last message, uh, the time is now. Uh, We need to be doing things now. And I think we can examine some scriptures that tell us that. And uh, I encourage you to uh, come out to those those various meetings that you have. And... um, if we look at Second uh, Corinthians chapter 5, we see this wonderful verse that talks about ambassadors for Christ. And I don't want to steal my message from tonight, but th- the verse says this. Now then, we are ambassadors for Christ, as though God were pleading through us. As though God was pleading through us. We implore you in Christ's behalf to be reconciled to God. This idea of God pleading through us. What an awesome responsibility that is. 
And I think when you go back and you start looking at uh, touching lives, I think if you want to touch other people's lives, you first of all have to look at your own life, don't you? How are you going to touch someone else's life if you're not in, in contact with God? If God's not doing something in your life, what do you have to share with someone else? You have nothing. When you walk away from the Lord or when you get self-centered and prideful, as all of us do, how effective are we in the Lord's kingdom? How much worth do we have to the kingdom of God? And so as I was thinking through scriptures, I was trying to think of different ones We've had encounters to God that may be helpful to us as we try to live our Christian lives. And so basically this first sermon is directed back at you. And are you touching lives? Is your life the quality of a life that touches lives? Do you make a difference in the lives of the people that you come in contact with? At work, at home, friends and neighbors? Do you make a difference with your life? And so I'm going to look at one of the great missionary texts in the Old Testament this morning. And I want you, if you could turn with me back to Isaiah chapter 6. Isaiah chapter 6, the call of Isaiah into ministry. And I want to look at some things that were really important for Isaiah to understand his place in God's will and his desires and what God did for him. And I believe what God will do for us, maybe not on the same level, but I believe that God wants to touch each one of us, and I believe through us, he wants to touch the world around us. And so if we could look there in Isaiah chapter 6, verse 1, we have this wonderful phrase, in the year of King Uzziah died, I saw the Lord sitting on the throne, high and lifted up, and the train of his robe filled the temple. In the year King Uzziah died, the 739 or 740 B.C., before Christ. They've just had 52 years of a godly king and a godly reign. King Uzziah was not a perfect man. Ten years before his death, he had the audacity to walk into the temple and to try to make sacrifices in place of the priests. And because of that, God disciplined him. God struck him down. God gave him leprosy. And because of that, he was separated from the people. He was unclean. Not only could he not go to the temple, but his kingly duties were very much minimized. And so his son took over, who was an ungodly king. But King Uzziah, and the king Uzziah Uzziah died. God's going to do something special. The nation has an ungodly king. And so the next few years are going to be hard for the nation. And so God in his province is going to raise up a prophet. He's going to raise up a man to stand for him in a corrupt society. And if you look around at society today, if you can't see that it's on a downward trend, if you can't see it's becoming more corrupt, if you can't see it's becoming more sensual, if you can't see it's becoming more perverted and unclean, Then you're asleep at the switch. Things are not going in a positive manner, they're going on a negative manner. And so God needs a lot of us to be touched, and needs a lot of us to stand up. And so that's sort of the introduction 
to the, to the passage. Now, Isaiah is immediately given an, a, a visit or a visitation of God. He's probably in the temple confounds in Jerusalem, but he has a vision of the heavenly temple that's described in Hebrews chapter 4. And so we have this great vision of seraphim. In verse 2 it says, Above it stood the seraphim. Each one had six wings. With two he covered his face, and with two he covered his feet, and with two he flew. And then we see they're shouting back and forth. So we see God's throne room. We see him high and lifted up, as it says. We see King Uzziah, I saw the Lord sitting on his throne, high and lifted up. He's high and lifted up. Our God is not a puny God. Our God is basically the only God. There are no other gods. He's the only one with an empty tomb. It's amazing to me. These people go and worship people who are dead. Buddha, Mohammed. In India, you got 330 million gods. Gurus. They worship these people. They're not high and lifted up. Our God is the most high God. Our God is the creator God. Our God is the one who loves mankind unconditionally. He takes us just the way we are. He allows us to repent of our sins. He allows us to get right with Him. And then He has the audacity to allow us to represent Him on earth. We're called ambassadors for Jesus Christ. We're supposed to represent Him on earth. Our God is high and lifted up. How big is your God? How big is He? I think for most of us, our God probably isn't high and lifted up. He might not be any higher than we are because we keep trying to push Him around. <laughs> we keep trying to tell Him what to do. We keep trying to tell Him what our will is, not what His will is for us. We tried to manipulate Him. Well, Lord, if I do this, I want you to do something for me. Our God, a lot of time, isn't high and lifted up. And I submit to you the people in the Word of God who have seen God high and lifted up, it made a tremendous difference in their lives. When Moses walked into the burning bush, he was forever changed. And he followed God. And he had ups and downs. And the people listened and they rebelled. But he was steadfast to the end after he saw God hide and lifted up. When Paul, who was out persecuting Christians and gone to Damascus to try to persecute and kill some more Christians, met Christ on the Damascus road, he was forever changed. And he went out throughout the world proclaiming the gospel of Christ. When you look at the disciples who met with Jesus, and you look at their testimony after Jesus rose and ascended back to the Father. They went throughout the whole world proclaiming the gospel. You can go to India. I've been there. And you can see where Thomas, the doubting Thomas, did a tremendous work of God in India. And they still are thankful. The church in India is still thankful for the testimony and for the salvation that came through the doubting Thomas. And so when we see God high and lifted up, it makes such a difference in our, in our, in our heart. 
It makes such a difference in the way we view people and view the world. And it makes us want to get in, in line with God and do what His will and do it His way and allow Him to be the Lord in our life. One of the things that uh, we have here on an island like this, I look at this island, in fact, uh, you even call it paradise here. This is paradise. You have a nice confined place. You have all these people coming down to paradise. They want to come to paradise. You have a high standard of living here. Things are good here. Things are really easy here. Not that way. I mean, Pastor Fowler just gave us a good list of people who are persecuted. You realize last year there were 2,173 martyrs, people that died for their faith in Christ. That's double 2012. And I submit to you that that is going to continue to rise. More and more people are going to face persecution because they're Christians. You see it all over the place. You see it when some of our missionaries, they have prices on their head. You support one of them. Oglob Shakarian, who lives in Amman, Jordan. He was persecuted to the point that uh, Dr. Jerry Falwell brought him to liberty and gave him free education so he could get him out of the country for four years. And now he's gone back. And he's planted churches in eight Muslim countries. Syria, Iraq, Iran, Lebanon, Jordan, Egypt, Libya, Sudan, Oban. I was sitting at his table in Amman with his wife and his two boys. His life had been threatened over and over. If they find out, they'll get him. The Muslims are after him. And he just told his wife and his two boys, I'm going to give my life for my faith. Are you willing to give your life for your faith? One of my professors at Dallas Seminary, a great man of God, Dr. John Hanna, used to teach um, church history. I used to like to go to his class because just the way he prayed, he knew God. Just to hear pray was worth going to class for. And he said, men, I don't know right now if I can give my life for Christ. But he says, if it's God's will for me to give my life to Christ, at that moment, I'll be ready. And that's encouraging, isn't it? It's encouraging to me. You see the Lord high and lifted up. He's so powerful that in the Psalms it tells us that He created the whole universe as fast as you can snap your finger or as fast as you can blink your eye. That's how powerful He is. And everything when it was created was put in His right orbit. It doesn't bang together. It hangs out there. It stays where it is. And then you go to the lower part of the universe and you find this little ball hanging out there, this minuscule ball out there. And he decides to create it and make it something special. 
And he called it earth. And then he sent his best gift, the Lord Jesus, to redeem mankind. He's high and lifted up. He's more powerful than any of us. And he can do great things if we just have faith to trust him to do those things. He says, I heard saw the Lord high and lifted up. And the train of his robe filled the temple. The train of his robe, the train of his robe is the hem of his garment. It's the lower hem of his garden. And I don't know about you, but when you come to God's presence and actually see him face to face, everybody in the Bible is knelt down and their faces in the dirt. <laughs> They're prostrate in front of them. And I think of Isaiah, only was able to look up to the bottom and see the hem of his garden. He didn't, he didn't see God. He's too powerful. Even the seraphim, these are the powerful beings here. Notice what it says about them. Two, two of the wings, six wings. Two of the wings covered his face. They can't even look at, at God. Two of them cover his feet. Act of humility, lowliness. Act of submission. They'll go where God wants them to go. And notice these, these seraphim. Notice what they're saying. Now you can read it like this. And one cried to another, Holy, holy, holy is the Lord of hosts. The whole earth is full of his glory. But that's not how it's said in heaven. That's not how it's said at all. In heaven it's saying like this, Holy, holy, holy is the Lord God of hosts. And they're saying it back and forth. Holy, holy, holy. You know when I look at the Scriptures, you know what I see? When you get up into heaven's level, you don't see the love of God. You see the love down here. God is love. I'm not saying it's not love. But when you get to heaven and you see the worship in heaven, they're not talking about God's love. They're talking about His holiness. His purity, His cleanness, His perfections, His justice, His righteousness. That was Isaiah's problem when he actually saw him. He saw himself in light of God's holiness. When you get in the presence of absolute perfection and 